Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. This is Pastor Jason Vaughn with Pastor Gino Glamro, and today we are going to be talking about the significance of Ephesians chapter 2 and chapter 3 to the local church and how Paul writes about the church in a way that is significant for us and the implications of the church. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Hey, how you doing? Good. Yourself? Well, yeah. Yeah. Good going through Book of Ephesians with the church and going through membership with some of the new folks. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about this. Yes. Yeah. So today we are going to do a little, um, what we're calling uh, our version of a pastor's post-game press conference. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So, you know, you've had the game. And the game is in there. And then, of course, after the game, there's that post-game, what were you thinking? What were some things that uh, you didn't say that you could say? Or what are some implications of, of what you taught through and what we learned from Ephesians 2 and 3 on the local church? And so uh, th- this really coordinates with a subject that, of course, is always dear to both of our hearts, and that is the significance of the local church and what God has to say about the church. And re- really important, uh, even for this podcast, as we are trying to make uh, not make, but I mean, God makes them, but help you be a churchman. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, um, just some things that we have gleaned from Ephesians two and three, uh, both you and I have gleaned things and we've come to similar conclusions because the text is kind of clear. Amen. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about those. Let's I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, first, uh, anything you're reading? I'm still working through this, the two big books, the uh, Bruce Shelley's history, and as well as uh, Matthew Barrett's uh, uh, God book. Oh, none greater. Yes. Yeah, that was a good book. Keep, yeah. yeah. I'm working through Matthew Barrett's uh, Simple Trinity. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you just finished uh, the uh, Lehman's membership book. Yes. So yeah. the, 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 the Lehman's book, the, the Nine Marks book on membership, as, as well as Deacon's, are, has been really helpful in just thinking about the church um, and how it facilitates ministry. So that's been really yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I think we would uh, every book we've mentioned would be recommended to you, if, just in case. So, yeah, um, all would be helpful. Whether you want to understand God better, that none greater book is good, and then the uh, simple Trinity. I'm not far enough into it to really know if I'd recommend it or not, but so mm. far I like it. So, okay. Yep. And then uh, that Lehman book. Most of those little books by Nine Marks are probably really good. They're really good. They get they get a lot done in a very few pages. Yeah. So that's helpful. So it's interesting, little little story time. Uh, I don't really peruse social media too much. Uh, really just too busy now in life hmm. to do that. And, um, you know, mainly, mainly just too busy and find it, you know, other but more important things than to, than to really discuss issues on social media. But it's interesting because our last podcast was on deacons. And uh, a friend of ours who is actually uh, a son of somebody that attends our church but doesn't live in Las Vegas posted about a question about deaconesses. Mm. 
okay. And uh, I read through a lot of the responses. I actually chimed in, which I normally don't do, but mm-hmm. but it was interesting how many people did not know um, what that do not really understand deacons. Mm-hmm. And biblically, they thought because it's an office, there's authority. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like that's not in the text, mm-hmm. and uh, really draws out how a lot of these people's experiences has shaped their understanding of the truth. Right. And so the, some of those people I gathered were in churches where their deacons had authority. Yes. And we would have said, well, that's okay, mm-hmm. because um, it's okay for, for the church to kind of nuance it the way they want to. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, that's there was also part of me going, well, and it's also, okay, I see why you don't have deaconesses because right. of the way that it's fleshed out. Right. But it's interesting because they couldn't piece what the Scripture said about deacons to re- to, to their orthopraxy. Right. And so their orthodoxy, so they were, they were, they were, they were gaining their orthodoxy through the lens of their orthopraxy. So they were starting an orthopraxy and working back right? rather than starting an orthodoxy and flushing it out. Yes. And so, um, there was a lot of me going, well, there's a lot of misinformation from, from, from a handful of people in here on the issue. Mm-hmm. And, and it was interesting, not, you know, but it reminded me why this podcast is so important because, uh, we believe that that everyone really should understand the different functions of the church. Right. You know, and it's not just the elders who should know what the elders do. The whole church should know what the elders do. Right. You know, deacons the same way. The whole church should know what the deacons do. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> so. Mm. Were, they, were they responding to a book on deacons or just, just generally speaking? No, just the question was asked, Should uh, can there be deaconesses? And oh, gotcha. it just, it's, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, the guy, Dropped some C four in a field and said, oh, okay, wow. have fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it, you know, there were some good, well thought out answers, but mm-hmm. but that was kind of my observation on some of them. And I know some other people from Cornerstone chimed in. And uh, shout out to Chris and Gabe, who both had some really good, thoughtful, uh, d- you know, comments in there as well. And uh, if I missed anybody else, please forgive me. I, d- I didn't. Again, I just kind of skimmed and rolled. So mm-hmm. yeah, but anyway. Uh, so Ephesians chapter two and three today and why that's so important, uh, for the, for the church. And, you know, we, we want to be biblical in our understanding of, um, in our understanding of God's house. And so, uh, in, in a desire not to shape our understanding of the church through orthopraxy and then take orthopraxy back to orthodoxy, right? Prax, orthopraxy being the way it flushes out. Mm-hmm. Orthodoxy being the actual text, and so you know, I don't want to just, you know, we don't we don't want to look and say, well, this is how we've always done it. This is you know, so this is therefore the truth. No, we want to look at the scripture and say, what does scripture specifically say? And then based on what it specifically says, where do we go from there? That's fair, yeah. especially because if you want to, um, uh, you know, flesh something out, you have to understand what the text actually says. Yeah. Right. And uh, that gives room for, I mean, we're always learning. So things can even change at Cornerstone down the road as we understand the text better. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 It would be, it would be wrong to think we always think we have it always together at all the times. Right. Yeah. But we do think we're right on the big things. Right. Yeah. We did spend some time learning at seminary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and much coffee. Yes, much coffee discussion and yeah, no sleep. <laughs> yes, you know, if you really want to know what seminary is like, uh, sleep an hour and a half to three, or sleep about three to four hours a night. Drink a lot of coffee and read a lot, and don't pick books you'd want to pick. Yep, and still be involved in the church. Yeah, and still be involved in the church. Pick books you probably wouldn't want to, <laughs> wouldn't want to read. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I got a couple of shelves you can read if you need to. So, uh, okay, well, listen, uh, Hebrews cha- or Hebrews, Ephesians chapter two and three. Uh, we we kind of talked about um, uh, some things that that were in the text that we want to talk about. Uh, we want to talk about the significance of the cross, uh, the new body, and the purpose of the church. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, and then we talk about some implications that that really kind of arise from that. So. If you missed the Ephesians Bible studies, um, some of this uh, might, uh, there might be some holes in this discussion. Hopefully, we'll kind of fill them in as we go, mm-hmm. and hopefully, they'll make sense. Hopefully, you can go read the text, and then uh, even if you need to pause it, read the text, and come back and listen, and kind of realize, you know, hey, where we're going. But it might be good to listen to this podcast with Ephesians 2 and 3 somewhere close to you Yes, that you can read and say, oh, yeah, okay. So... <clears throat> Uh, probably, probably the first point that, that we really made, and I think really important to, to the discussion on the church, is um, in Ephesians 2, right? You have 2, 1 through 10 is this very individualistic um, text that talks about individuals being saved, mm. which I think when, when we talk about Christianity, uh, we tend to talk about Christianity as God-saving individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in general, I would say that's kind of the broader... Yeah. discussion. It's like Christianity 101, God saved me. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now I'm free and I have a spot in heaven with the Lord, right? And for some people, unfortunately, that's where it ends. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, there are some, you, you know, like John Piper has written a lot of helpful material to help me understand my relationship with the Lord. Yes. Yeah. And so the Puritans can be that way where their writing is very, you know, um, the death of sin, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking with God personally. And so, right, there, there's a lot of literature to help me walk with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is in Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, is he turns the corner and pushes the idea forward that not only are you individually united with Jesus Christ, but... Now, because of the cross, you are a part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so in Ephesians 2.11, he says, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, um, and by the way, just so you know, that you is plural. So if you do the Southern reading, therefore, remember that formerly y'all, the mm-hmm. Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed by flesh, uh, by human hands. Remember that y'all were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant promise, having no home and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, and that in Christ Jesus, I would want you to highlight for this discussion, uh, because that's a reference to unity. Mm-hmm. Y'all, who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And there's there's one of our key parts, right? By the blood of Christ. So the cross took y'all who were far away and brought y'all near for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh, the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances so that in himself, he might make the two into one new man. Verse 15, very important text there, Mm -hmm. thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God. And here again, key point here through the cross. 
by having put to death the enmity, and he and he came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him, again, very important text, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then y'all are no longer strangers and aliens, but y'all are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, mm. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Then that's that's really the key point here, right? That in whom the whole building being fitted in together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, whom y'all also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the spirit. Yeah. In other words, we don't have to become Jewish. Yes. We don't have to become Israelites. Yes. Um, we have been united into a, a, a different body. The hostility that was broken down was the Mosaic Law. Yes. And in the New Covenant, we can share fellowship under one roof together. Yes. As one family. Yes. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And that's that's all because of the cross. Yes. Yeah. I think people forget that. Uh, and so, you know, you're emphasizing the y'all there. And I think what you're trying to say there is that uh, your salvation doesn't make you part of just a universal church, but a local body of believers who are trying to do something. And we'll yes. get there later in, yes. in, in chapter three, I think. Yes. Um, but I, I think we can't neglect that the death of Christ, that, that uh, atonement saved us. Yes. And achieved unity together with other believers, not yeah. just us to God, but to one another. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because th- this is kind of the post-op, you know, post-game discussion here where <clears throat> we're, we're really drawing out, hey, um, so the point we made in Bible studies was that the cross established the church. So not only are you forgiven, but you are a part of the church. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Y- yeah. And so... The two, the two things that maybe we, I want to go a little bit more in depth on that would be union and mm-hmm. new covenant ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the new covenant is, is now made for all believers, mm-hmm. Jew or Gentile. And so the, the promise of the new covenant are forgiveness of sins, um, eternal dwelling spot, you know, the promise of God that we would be with him for eternity uh, in his presence. Mm-hmm. All uh, that stuff in chapter one. Yes, all, all those, all those, those seven blessings in chapter one. There, uh, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are true of you. Uh, forgiveness of sins. Did I mention that one? And yes. the indwelling Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. So those those are all true. Those promises are all true. And if you're a believer, you're a part of His inheritance. But here he's he's going into more depth, and that is that you are united to Christ not only in, in the Romans language in his death, burial and resurrection and the hope of eternal life, but you are united to, to other believers in the body of Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that, that is the uniqueness of the church because we are united uh, uniquely, unlike any other organization on earth, like the yep. church is united because of the blood of Christ. Yep. Um, and that could only be said of the church. Yes. Nothing else. Yeah. No other organization. Yeah. So, Important implications for that, right, is that you can have unbelievers attending your church service, mm-hmm. but they're not a part of the church. Correct. They're they're not members. Yes. Right. They're visitors. They're yes. uh, seekers. Yeah. Is that a fair? Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, as much yeah. as we hate that, faithful word. seekers, maybe, yeah. maybe. You know. Yeah, and they're guests, um, and and we as we as the church want them to hear the gospel and be saved. Right. right. Yeah, we want them a part of the church. We want them to be unified to God, yes, and to the church, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. But but I think that right in our discussion of membership, 
um, that becomes a very important nuance, right? Because it is possible that you'll come into the church on a Sunday or you'll visit a church on a Sunday and you'll meet a guest of the church and not a member of the church. Right. You know, and so if you walk into the building and just assume everybody here's a good a good Christian, well, you may you may you may find yourself um, critiquing or criticizing or disappointing yes. the church or disappointed by the church because your expectations were such that this is a this is this is a pure body of believers on Sunday. Right. Whereas the church in in the you know the the church is a part of the congregation and they are a pure body of Christ, mm-hmm. but it is also possible that you're you're running around with people you know that there are people in that body that aren't believers, right? right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't neglect the fact that um, we we could be offensive at times too. Yes, yes, like yeah. that. I, we could we could legitimately sin against somebody. Yes, and that does happen. Yeah. Yeah, because we're not, I mean, even though we're new covenant members, we're not necessarily, we're not perfect yet. We're not perfect. We're being perfected. Yeah. We're still learning. We're still growing. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully Kyle is not listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Not Kyle. I mean, for most other people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's an important distinction though, because union, I mean, union's a really big deal that the idea that you are in Christ that your that he is your identity, but to me, this whole thing, the union and new covenant, again draws out the significance of the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. because there is the church body participating together in the Lord's Supper. Yep, you know, and there there is that reminder that we are new covenant members together. Not mm-hmm. only are not only that's why I think I don't like that whole idea of draw a circle around you and during the Lord's Supper, it's just you and the Lord. Mm. Um, that that's probably a little too. Um, well, it neglects the church. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it should uh, communion should reflect a togetherness. Yes. That we've been, uh, that we are united together, uh, not just me to God because yeah. of the, the the you know the reminding of the shedding of the blood and the broken the brokenness of the body, um, but that we together have been joined in one body, and thus uh, you know we preach. Christ because of our unity, like that, that unity, to, that togetherness, that walking of the body together in love yeah, is one of those things that does preach Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because when we're unified together, we're unified with the same mission, same purpose, which we'll talk about here in a minute, <laughs> which is pretty cool because you can't do that on your own. That's why you can't, you know, um, that's why music, the worship music that we sing on Sunday has a different influence and feeling than if you try to do it in your car. Yep. Because you can't reproduce the body in your car. Nope. No matter how loud you turn it up and no matter how loud you sing, mm-hmm. you don't have the choir of the church with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's interesting too, right? Because you can't, you know, some people are jazzed about the corporate worship, which is cool. You know, it's okay to to have good affections for the local church and for your gathering. But you can't look for that by yourself. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, that joy and that blessing, um, which really probably is what Hebrews 6 is talking about. They were enlightened. They enjoyed, right? There was some kind of partaking of the of the fellowship, meaning that they experienced the things that, that believers experience in a very in a very tangible way, things that you can point to like, wow, it's... You know, you usually leave, I always leave like 
hanging out with the church, even if I was tired or worn down or, or not in a good mood going into the church, I always leave jazzed, excited, encouraged, edified, pumped up. You know, it's always hard for me to come home from a late gathering and go straight to bed because I'm just, the you know, adrenaline's up and it's like, wow, it was awesome, you know? And yeah, so I'm up till two in the morning cause I can't sleep. I think if you understand the blessing of the, the body, yes, like if you understand it as a grace from God, then yeah. you won't neglect it. Yeah. You'd actually go ready to engage, participate, uh, and serve. And you walk, you always walk away. Uh, you always walk away. You know, I, I feel like the, the spirit comforts you because you've done exactly what he has called you to do. Yes. So there is a comfort from that. And there's a, there's a, um, uh, almost, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a real refueling. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, there's a grace that happens there. Yeah. So in, in terms of thinking about, you know, uh, maybe things that we didn't say in the Bible study. And again, if you were there, there's probably some overlap here. But that also just brought up a topic of, um, right, uh, there should be a respect for the local church. Yes. Yeah, if I understand the cross of Christ and the work that Christ is accomplishing through the cross, and I understand what it, the role that it plays in the text, right, then there should be an instant respect for the church in respect of, hey, this is God's program and this is what he designed to do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as a believer, I want to mold my thinking to respect every, everything that God has set in order, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, yeah. Are you, are you talking about the participation of that mission or, or just specifically something um, in the gathering that's happening? Well, I think both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cause you, you need to respect the mission uh, to the point to where you prioritize the mission mm-hmm. um, because all, all that happens, all, all the bad things that happen in churches probably can be boiled down to, you know, and by bad, I mean disunity, infighting, that kind of stuff. It probably can be boiled down to a lack of respect um, for either the body of Christ or the purpose of Christ. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and it could, it might even be right where pride gets in the way to where you come into the church expecting yourself to be catered to by the church mm-hmm. rather than looking to come in and be involved in the way that God has asked you to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, that, that people in the church can't come alongside you when things are bad, right? It's, you know, but I think there's a, there's a difference between coming into the church, pouting, wanting people to cater to you compared to being broken or maybe distraught and having people in the church serve you through that. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like making the church an idol. Yes. Uh, Which means you're viewing the church um, through, you're viewing the church wrongly. So in a a way you're really disrespecting the the unity uh, that God has put together. Yeah. Um, And you're making it, uh, in your own eyes to serve your own purposes rather yeah. than God's purposes. Yeah. And, and I can, I can understand where, where immaturity might lead you to think, Hey, these people are supposed to be loving. They're supposed to care about me. Mm-hmm. They're, they're supposed to, they're supposed to want to meet my needs. They're supposed to want to pray for me. And honestly, all that's true, mm-hmm. but there's a difference in a mentality of coming in saying, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do for me. I'm yeah. here ready for you to do this for me. Right. Rather than, you know, and on the one hand, yes, the, those are true. Those one another's, which are a big part of, of body life, mm-hmm. um, that those are true. That, that, that 
we should be praying for each other and serving each other and loving each other and, and pointing people to Christ and getting involved with each other's life to help each other through that. But it's that, that expectation of I'm here, you're here for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very, um, well, it's pride and it's almost the, um, right in that pride and humility book, uh, Stuart Scott talks about how, you know, often we think of pride as the ego man, you know, the, the boaster, but the woe is me guy can be very prideful too. Absolutely. You know, comes into the church every Sunday and, you know, talks to 25 different people, tells all 25 people, you know, his same problem or her same problem and is not willing to at all. Hey, how are things with you? Mm. You know what I mean? And leaves going, you know, well, nobody really cared about what was going on in my life. Mm. Well, you know, is that the right perspective? Yeah. And to me, that might be a little disrespectful of what the body of Christ is there for. Yeah. What, what should the mentality be? Yeah, I think it's probably, probably right. Your purpose of the church is to, we'll talk about this, to proclaim the gospel and to proclaim Christ and to, and to shape people to worship Christ with a right view of him. So really you should be coming in as a learner, uh, a servant with the desire to show other unbelievers the gospel and to encourage other believers, you know, mm. with their walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives the body the due respect that it, that it deserves. Yeah, that's you fair. Yeah. But, but the reality is right. If you have, everybody has that mentality. Cause you know, somebody's like the question might come up like, well, what about me and my problem? Well, listen, if you're doing relationships and you're cared, you're concerned about those things, th- there are people in the church who are also going to be concerned about those things for you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, And so that's what happens when you have mutually humble people serving each other is you come in concerned about everybody else, you know, and, but the reality is there's a concern for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think, yeah, just that mindset of going in, um, you know, ready to... Uh, I think it just starts with, you know, a simple mission like, hey, I, I, I want to get to know people, right? And uh, yeah. in one Bible study, uh, the question was asked like, well, how do you help that hurting mar- marriage, right? Yeah. Well, you can't really help that hurting marriage with like a, a Band-Aid kind of solution. Yeah, You actually have to know some details. And yeah. it, that requires investment, Yeah, uh, being available. Yeah. And then also being teachable that your initial solution might be absolutely wrong, you know, yeah. and just... Might need to do a little bit more research and a little yeah. bit more digging in. Yeah. So, I th- I also think the respect of the local church maybe maybe this is where it starts too. Um, when you're discipling somebody, or even for your own thought, there should be a a priority given to the local church, mm-hmm. right? If if Christ died, you know, you'll hear people say, "Well, Christ died for you. Why would you not prioritize praying to Him because He wants you to pray." Mm-hmm. But I would put up there in that same category, you know, that that there is a priority that believers need to give to the local church. Mm-hmm. That so so how do I respect the local church? One realize the significance of the local church that is meant to exist in my life, like that is reality, mm-hmm. and now respect that reality. Yeah, you know, most people can make it to their job on time, especially if you have a mortgage or a rent mm-hmm. or a car payment, because you you got to make money to pay for those. Yeah. Um, well, it's the same thing with the church, right? It starts with that healthy respect of, you know what, Lord, you, you have, you died and made me united to you and I'm to be united with this local body. I need to go be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a priority there, right? That, that Sunday, 
church gathering is not just, um, well, if I fill up to it or if I make it or no, it's a, it's a, it's a planned activity mm-hmm. that maybe even requires preparation, which is, we've talked about that, how, you know, the first two podcasts, how to prepare for corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's gotta be a respect. And yeah. I think that's Ephesians two is drawing that out there. There is a respect for the local body because you've been made a part of the local body. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so in other words, you're saying, uh, like if I were to just think about it in, 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 in my own, my own way, um, I would say like, I need to gather. Yes. I need to come and gather because, uh, this is the body that God has given me. Yes. Uh, I need to be there. Yes. Uh, and I need to find a way to be there. I need to fight for that time and, and yeah. be ready to learn what it means to be involved yes. and be a member. Yep. Uh, and that, that takes work is like sometimes like, you know, um, you're sometimes it's confusing yep. because of what you your your past experiences in in other churches, or yep. you just don't know. You just don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and so there is a, a level of trying to learn what it means to be a church member, even. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I respect my relationship with Christ by confessing my sin, mm-hmm. and with the church, I respect that relationship with the body by being faithful. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think to realize, right, you know. Uh, that, that's why I say if you can, if a guy, if a guy or girl can make it to work on time, mm-hmm. then you then you can prioritize the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. you know. But the, the thing is, too, do we teach our kids this? Mm-hmm. You know, we and right. You can see how the the, the discipleship implication, right? When you're making disciples, uh, a true disciple maker is going to look at the people that he or she is teaching, right? The mom's going to look at her kids, or she's going to look at her friend and say, well, "I'm glad that you accepted Christ." But understand that the local church is a big part of what you do, and mm-hmm. you need to start to learn how to get in such a situation to where you can prioritize that and be involved. Would you say that the the formal aspect of the Sunday gathering is enough, or do you is the informal before and after gathering? Is that how do you view that in terms of respecting the church? Yeah, well, again, because the church is a relationship, mm-hmm. right? And that, I think that's even what what Paul is is driving at in Ephesians two, and definitely in Ephesians four. When we get there, we'll see that it's a relationship. But um, in terms of Ephesians two, right? Um, because it's a relationship, it's not an event. Like corporate worship is an event, but it's not a movie. Right, it's not like okay, I went to the movie, and when the movie was over at two thirty, I left and went home. Um, you need to right. I think that respect for the church is that reality of I'm united to these people. Let me show them the respect by engaging. Right, and we're not saying you got to know everybody, mm-hmm. but engage some people. Yeah, you know, get there and start mm-hmm. to have some some habitual people. You see, does it happen the first time you try to do this? I think you can. Okay. I mean, right? Because yeah. some can, people are better at it than others. Yeah, that's true. I think true. it takes practice. Yeah. Well, so, we've done lots of podcasts failure. on this too. Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. yeah. Just a reminder. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think the whole point is to try. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, oh, they gather at two o'clock for fellowship. I'll be there at two o'clock. And then, you know, uh, when your friend says, hey, you want to go have dinner at 5 30? Nah, you know what? Church. Church gets out at like uh, you know four four thirty, but sometimes we hang out till five five thirty. I better I better maybe make that seven o'clock, or mm-hmm. why don't we do that Saturday morning? Or is there a different day we could do that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find find a way to 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 be faithful to the relationships, right? And we talk about that because you're united to the body. It's not just a Sunday relationship, right? Try to find a way to be engaged with these people that are in your local church and do life with them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're not saying you got to go have dinner with him every night, mm-hmm. but at the same token, like, you know, your text messages, like if you like look at your phone, if you don't have a text message to another person in the church, uh, Monday through Saturday, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, now, now make, you know, yeah, find, find, find some people. Hey, you know, but no one has texted me first. So, well, I know <laughs> yeah, that's always the, yeah, we've, to, and we've talked about that too. Yes. You have to be the friend that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that you want them to be Yeah. start. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. I think that's disrespectful to come in. Like you think about, um, well, here's a good example. Robbie Cano was the Yankees' second baseman. And when his contract came up, he wanted a big, like, 10-year, a billion-dollar contract. And Yankee fans didn't want him. And the Yankee brass didn't want him. But the guy was probably legitimately one of the top 20 hitters in the game. And what, what made it a struggle for Yankee fans is he would hit the ball and he would watch the ball and then he would trot to first, and you'd realize, dude, you could have had a double if he'd have ran. Mm. And so he's got a single when he could have had a double. Mm-hmm. Or a couple times he you know, loafed down to first base, and something on defense happens, and had he run hard, he'd have made it rather than being called out. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in which he would kind of just show up to the game and stand there, do what he wanted to do, and leave. And it wasn't respectful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Yankee fans felt like he was disrespectful to the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a good picture, right? If you just come in and say, okay, I'm here, mm-hmm. be about me, there's a sense in which maybe that's a little disrespectful to the game and to, to what God has called us to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, translate that for the non-baseball people, yeah. which which I think you did. You said, like, you know, he's he's walking in there. Yeah. Like, the game is about, really about him. Yes. Not the game. And yes. so the fans didn't appreciate his attitude towards, you know, baseball. Rather, he just wanted to shine, really. Yeah. Just, like, walked out like he owned the place, basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, Barry Bonds, one of the greatest baseball players, stat-wise, is always going to be disrespectful because some of his um, – reputation off the field was a little bit me, me first kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And again, that that's a lack of respect for, for the team and for the game. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, right? The, you, God has united you to these people. There's gotta be some kind of respect for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And we talked, we've talked, there's, there's a handful of podcasts on how to get involved, how to serve people. Where do you start? You know, all of those, right. We've done because we felt like, Hey, we realize it's not easy. Just mm-hmm. start small. Yep. Yep. And, and see what God does. It's amazing. Uh, I've never met anybody that really wanted to do ministry um, that came up and was like, well, I don't really do ministry here. You know? and, and there's a lot of people that you know, think of some, some of our deacons who showed up and said, hey, I'm here. I want to serve. And they got to know us and they hung out with us. And you can see them doing things that we don't have to tell them. What, you know, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and not that that's all, the only way ministry manifests, but yeah. All right, so uh, we kind of talked about it, but just just so we're clear, um, Ephesians two fifteen to make the two into one new man. Um, we talked about the blood of Christ and the cross of Christ bringing us into the church, but I think just so you're just so it's very clear in all of our head that that He makes the two into one new man, and so by faith, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, that faith establishes you currently a part of the local church, Mm. you know, and, and there's a big debate about whether that establishes you to be a part of Israel, 
you know, some people say, well, no, this just makes you grafts you into Israel. Some people say, well, no, like Israel was the true people of God. So now you're grafted in that. So, and that's, that's a whole other debate that, that maybe we'll do for another podcast or, or a Sunday sermon at some point. But really the, the, the important point to realize is that you are grafted into the church. You are brought into the church, mm-hmm. you know, and that you are fellow citizens of God's kingdom, but you're a part of this local church. Yeah. And this local church, right, has, has elders and deacons and and believers. All of us are believers together, a part of a local church, each with our own function, which we'll talk about later. Um, but not not this podcast, but we'll we'll probably talk about it when we hit to Ephesians four. But mm-hmm. um but but all that to say, right, that, that in understanding of the church, the church is the one new man made up of believers. Yep. And that's a relationship. Yes. Right. And you look at the language here. Um, you know, he makes peace. You've been brought near the two into one new man, reconciled them both in one body. This is not, this is not right. Like the language isn't such of, Hey, you've been given a ticket to the Sunday morning show. It's not, it's not an event language. It's relational language. Right. And so that's why we say the church is a relationship Mm -hmm. because you're a part of this body that Christ is the head of. And in fact, in verse 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple, mm-hmm. you know, and then that's, that's that the body is a dwelling place of God because he is dwelling among us. Each of us with the spirit under the headship of Jesus Christ, worshiping the father, glorifying God together as a body of believers. And so this is probably one of those other major errors is that um, we run into this a lot when people uh, are maybe even leaving a a more seeker sensitive church Mm -hmm. and they come in and they go, this is so much different. And I'm not sure that they can fully articulate that, but the difference is there because they're going from an event mindset to a, no, this is a, this is a relationship mindset. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge difference, actually, because you're talking about different purpose. Um, you're talking about different meaning of what the church is. Yep. And then you're talking about different function of how elders and deacons and, and, and believers are to function. Yes. So it's almost like, complete, yeah, I, I understand the um, the learning curve sometimes for, for some people, especially yeah. when you're trying to, you know, have orthopraxy that reflects, um, uh, you know, the correct orthodox Yes, um, teaching of the of the scriptures. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's got to take time because really most of what we do in America is event centered. I went to the game, I went to the movie. However, um, we don't we hopefully don't think about our marriage like that. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, you know, the wife came home, so I was married tonight. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then when she she left, I was not married again. Like, that would be <laughs> bad, right? Yeah. That's yeah. actually a good example because you don't. Yep. Uh, you know, the, the marriage is a relationship. Yes. And so we don't think about, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's God's institution as well. Yes. And so with the church, it's being God's institution. It's not something that you just kind of stand in the sidelines. And, and marriages that struggle are when spouses stand in the sidelines, not and, and like just really seeking their own good rather than the good of the other. Yes. And so... Same with the church. There is that pursuing of the body and, and a purpose for what the body is to be doing, yeah. which I know you'll bring up. In, in well, here, yeah. probably, yeah. It's, um, well, yeah, because we got to get to Ephesians 3.10, but 
Uh, it's interesting, right? Because we, we always talk about Ephesians 5, uh, 21, 22, uh, always is, is the place where we go to to talk about the husband and the wife. Mm-hmm. And, and it does talk about the husband and the wife, but, but there is this kind of picture that Paul makes that, that marriage is also a reflection of the church. So husbands also, so husbands ought also, uh, Ephesians five twenty eight, to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Right? If you love yourself, you'll actually love your wife. Mm. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also the church. Mm. So Christ nourishes and cherishes the church, because we are members. Of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must also see to it that she respects her husband. Mm-hmm. Now, again, um, I've heard people say, well, that's actually not talking about husband and wife. It's, it's a picture of the church. Mm-hmm. But I think I've also, you know, don't want to just camp out on this text of husband and wife and fail to realize that there is some kind of picture of the church there as well. Yes. And that Paul sees some kind of similarity of relationship Mm -hmm. that just like husband and wife become one flesh. So members of the church become one together in one body under the headship of Christ that Christ nourishes and cherishes. And if Christ nourishes and cherishes something, um, the, the question is, are we to be like Christ in that way? And I think the answer is yes. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, Paul loved the church. Yes. You know, so again, you know, thinking about some things like, well, yeah, but Paul was an apostle. No, Paul was a normal Christian and an apostle. Mm -hmm. He wasn't an apostle with special weird callings to to love, you know, for the church. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, he was a normal Christian in the way that he loved the church. Yeah, and he was, I mean, he was reflecting, uh, I mean, his goal is to be Christ-like. Yes, and Christ-likeness is to be unified to his character and to be unified to his mission. Yes. So we're, Paul, Paul's being like Christ. We're trying to be like Paul. Who's trying to be like Christ. We're all trying to be like Christ, Yes. ultimately. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? I think so, right? Okay. Because, I mean, I love what Christ... On my good days, I love what Christ loves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the bad days, it's that reality that, Lord, I really don't love the things you love as much as I want to love, as much as my heart wants to it also doesn't want to. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting. I, I really hadn't even thought about that angle until just now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's crazy that angle in the Ephesians 5 text. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, you have that mark of the cross being a part of the foundation of the church. And really, you should see the way Christ loves his church. So it's interesting, right? If my marriage is right, it's a refl- it's a it communicates and teaches the way we should love the church. And if the church's love is right, it teaches me how to be married to my wife. Yeah. 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 So just probably some, you know, the the only difference obviously is there's uh your physical love is only meant for husband and wife. Mhm. Yeah. So Yeah. Um love there would not be Hollywood's definition of love. Mm-mm. He's not calling for some kind of like swinger society. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I know nobody in Cornerstone would think that, but mm-hmm. if some random person in like Nashville's listening to this, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening. <laughs> send us an email so that we can, I'll send you something. Send you some coffee or a book or something. All right, anyway, but that's only if you lived in Nashville and listened to this podcast. Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, so we'd, we've talked a little bit about um, the cross being the foundation of the church, that the church is a body, a, a relationship of believers united to Christ, that, that membership, that members in the church are going to be saved people. Now, um, did we, do we miss any implication on that or were there? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. We probably did, but yeah, I don't know that we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, we didn't have coffee before this podcast. Yeah. Did we? It was too long ago. Yeah. Several was. hours ago. Yeah. It's kind of late for, for coffee tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't be up till three in the morning. I know. Yeah. Okay. Too old for them. Gone are those days. I'm not in seminary anymore. No, we graduated. We did. Life yeah. is harder. It is. It's actually <laughs> harder. Yeah. I sleep more, but harder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more stress. Okay. So uh, now the purpose of the church. Hmm. Do, do, do. Because Paul talks about this. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, if you go down to Ephesians 3... For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, Paul's going to kind of go into a little bit of a, like, personal communicating his role in this. And a little bit of a, like, hey, this is my mission. Uh, This was what God sent me to do. This is what I'm here to do. But then that's going to roll into the purpose. So, uh, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Uh, Ephesians 3, 2. If indeed y'all have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for y'all, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, y'all can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. And the book of Acts is, is the is the history of that text right there. In the spirit, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, you might say that's a summary of, of chapter 2, 11 to 22 at some level, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Now, verse 8, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given And now here we go. To preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Mm. Now there is what he's doing. Yes. And there's the content of what he's focusing on for this purpose Mm. so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known this is a very key phrase through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And so really there from eight to the end of chat to the end of verse 10, you have the purpose of the church, right? That Paul has come into the church and he's preaching to churchmen, whether they be Jew or Gentile, 
right? Because now at this point, the gospel goes to Jew and Gentile, and churches are filled with both. But his goal is to preach to them the riches of Christ and to communicate and enlighten them on the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. Mm. So in other words, he he is now teaching them about the gospel, Mm -hmm. about Christ, and about the things of of God for the church. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, the church who is supposed to be learning this, adopting this, modeling this, doing this ministry, Mm -hmm. is now becomes the voice that communicates the manifold, verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God that now is made known through the church to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. So when I read this, my summary is the church is about making disciples who are worshipers of Jesus Christ, who understand the gospel, who are able to evangelize the lost and encourage the saints. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I I think that um, uh, because, because of the emphasis of that church and the unity, right, um, it's also all that that walking together um, in light of the gospel yeah. should produce um, should produce a kind of unity that is so unique yep. and so wonderful and beautiful. Yep. So that we become the pillar of truth, as as you have mentioned many times. Yeah. Um, and also, um, you know, we unfold the what the manifold wisdom of God looks like. Yes. Before even the angelic powers, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because we were talking about this earlier. The, you know, so so in a way, when you're when you're doing the when the church is doing her mission, and this is, I mean, honestly, this is a, this is a magnificent mission, mm-hmm. right? And um, because it's us together making known to the rulers, right? And so we we talked about this at some at some level, our mission the reputation of our mission goes to rulers, mm-hmm. goes to unbelievers, mm-hmm. goes to the local community. Mm-hmm. But like you were talking about, it also goes to who? The angelic powers. Like yeah. the angels that have watched God's providential wisdom play out through the ages, yeah. uh, coming to head with the cross and seeing uh, humanity, humanity's great problem of sin solved. Uh, through the cross of Jesus Christ and coming together in in, in the community in love, yeah. and so if you think about um, the power of the church, right? Like we're actually solving world problems yeah. in this community. Yes, because the, the the problems that the world's trying to solve yep. racism, yep. hunger, yep. I mean uh, disunity, uh, anger, strife, yep. like all that stuff is 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 supposed to have been is supposed to be able to be solved. Yeah. in our community of, yeah. of believers because we have Christ. Yes. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because you have some people saying, well, you know, um, women women are not respected like they should be. And so um, we, we need to like, you know, the, the, the feminist movement, which says women need to be exalted. But, but the reality is, if you understand the gospel and you understand Jesus Christ and you understand his created order, you, you know, every mature male who understands the gospel sees women as valuable because they're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't see them as lesser because they're not men. Right. Yeah. Which is really pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And it's the same thing with racism. Yeah, we get it. Yes. It, like, we, it, like we've solved that problem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, because the solution is not, more, is not necessarily more laws. The solution right. is individuals have to see other individuals as important, valuable human beings. Right. Yeah. And yeah, a believer who has the Holy Spirit in him or her is going to look at another person and say, you're made in God's image. You're valuable. I don't care what color your skin is. Mm-hmm. I don't care your financial, you know, I don't care how much, you know, you have in the bank or mm-hmm. what kind of clothes you wear. You know, you're a valuable human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we talked about this uh, at one of the Bible studies. Uh, I didn't, I'm not sure if all of them talked about it, but that just that reality, right, that, you you want the you know wow the church should be out feeding the poor and doing this and doing that but it, the the real question is like no we are we are supposed to be doing as Paul did um, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ mm. and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery that's mm-hmm. our primary job amen yeah so in in a sense we we are an education center. For proclaiming the gospel, mm-hmm. yeah, which is which means that's the major, mm-hmm. you know. And so, if I'm going to respect the local church, I need to respect her purpose, right? And her purpose is to major on the majors, mm-hmm. which is making disciples and pointing people to Christ. Yes, yeah, yeah. Re- the reconciliation we have the answer to reconciliation with God. It's through yes. the, it's only through the cross. Um. And that's the no. That's obviously man's greatest problem yeah. is his sin, his depravity, yeah. and only the cross fixes that. Yeah. And as we, uh, as our minds are renewed um, you know, through the scriptures, we learn to value man, every yep. single man. We yep. learn to value the right things. We learn to prioritize the right things. Yes. And so, uh, you know, within the church, if we're learning Christ all the time and we're growing in Christ, you, you should see love and unity yes. as we see in chapter one where there's that perfect unity in the Trinity. Yes. Right? So. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've said on social media a handful of times, if the media really understood the real problem of death and sin, they would ask for the gospel to be preached, mm-hmm. not not post their whatever, you know, whatever they're using to, to get you to read or listen or pay attention to them. Uh, my only problem with my own comment mm. is that um, that's not the media's job. That's the church's job. Yeah, there you go. You know, it's that is the church's job through the church. Yep, to make this wisdom known mm-hmm. that there. Yeah. So, uh, so if I'm going to respect the body of Christ, I also need to respect the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's a that's a pretty tall, tough calling because uh, the hard part is you know. Uh, the church grows together. The church walks together, mm-hmm. but we don't always all walk together with the same understanding. Right. And so there's always that, you know, um, older, you know, Titus do older believers trying to mature younger believers, uh, older and wiser trying to train the younger, less wise, you know, while at the same token, you know, you're evangelizing the lost, you're telling them about the glories of Jesus Christ and God is saving them. And now you've got to, you know, there's a sense in which your church is never going to be fully mature until Christ returns mm-hmm. because none of us are in our glorified state and we all have more to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But keep the gospel and Jesus Christ at the center. Yes. I, I think Paul, I mean, that's exactly, if you look at Paul's uh, mission here, he was um, in prison 
right? Mm-hmm. And his and uh, in verse in verse thirteen, his his um, exhortation is don't lose heart. Yes, like don't 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 worry about my life. Yeah, the mission that um, you know, the mission that I'm trying to accomplish, it's for your glory. Yes. Uh, yeah. My tribulation, that's for your glory. Like yeah. th- th- he's so like he's so um, unselfish here. Yes. If you think about his mindset, he's just like the, the highest priority we need to have as a church is actually the mission of God. Like, yeah. And the consequences of that, yeah, it could be it could be jail. Yeah. But it's for your glory. It's worth it. It's worth that. It's worth that investment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and that might be interesting too because, um, right? Sometimes when trials or hardships come, or opposition comes. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the human tendency is to say, well, because there's opposition, we must be doing something wrong. Mm. You know, And in fact, that's what the media does. Well, there's people crying foul against this big major corporation, so this major corporation must be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the expectation is that the big major corporation will fire the person and mm-hmm. you know, apologize and we're committed to what you're committed to. And I mean, that's all marketing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, right, the opposition to us doesn't mean we're doing something wrong. It's that unbelievers are opposed to the gospel. Yeah. And so you're right, well, it's not that we shouldn't listen to the complaint because if they're right, then we'll repent. But it's that at the same token, you, you kind of have to expect unbelievers to be opposed to what we're doing because mm-hmm. they, they don't want to hear that, they, that they're not the Lord of their own life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think it's interesting how Ephesians three was very helpful on this. Um, you know, Ephesians two and three talks about the body of Christ, a body of believers, right? The implications that we would respect it. Um, also, that I think what's fascinating is that angelic beings are watching this, mm-hmm. right? And so Paul will talk about in Ephesians six spiritual warfare. And that reality, right, that even like um, unbelievers and, you know, the devil himself would be watching and seeing the way the church broadcasts mm-hmm. the gospel. Yeah. 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 I think the, and then, you know, um, and this is where the um, the church um, must not ever stray. And you've, you've already said this, I'm just beating this dead horse a little bit more, but we are. I like it. We are, we are to be united to. Uh, the mission. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what unites us, the mission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously there's so many things that unite us, but obviously when we're all pursuing the mission together, yep. something beautiful. Uh, as a matter of fact, just reminds me of that, um, the Deacon's book from the, the, the nine marks ministry. I love the way he summarized that. He said, you know, elders lead the, lead the mission or, or, or lead the ministry. Deacons facilitate the ministry and the um, congregation, does the work of the ministry. Yeah. So there's an expectation for the church, right, to yeah. be proclaiming, to be equipping themselves, right, yep. through the through the um the leadership and then to be proclaiming yes, Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it's um you know, you want to be you know, I think as a churchman, you want to realize, hey, the leaders are trying to proclaim Christ, right? One are the leaders trying to proclaim Christ? Are they trying to teach us the oracles of God? Mm-hmm. Which I would say, you know, it's hard to look at our our sermons and say, I mean, we go through books of the Bible, 
trying to get people to understand not only the specific details, but the flow of thought and to educate them in the way that God revealed himself. And so, you know, at that point, I almost think it's my job to come in and say, okay, the things that God has put before me through, through the preacher's mouth today are the things that I need to be dedicated to learn. And then I need, after being dedicated to learn that, right, then I've still got to go out and worship and serve other people. Yep. Yeah, not worship other people, but worship the Lord <laughs> right. by serving other I people. I got you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody would be like, well, I'm not supposed to worship. <laughs> Some wife's going, you're supposed to worship me. Yeah. Um, or her husband. So, yeah. Um, but, I, but right, in terms of respecting that, that commitment, I want... Uh, now, it doesn't matter if you have a job. It doesn't matter if you're, you have a title or no title, if you have an office or no office. I think there's got to be some kind of, oh, my role in this church is to be a part of learning Christ, learning the gospel, and then proclaiming it, mm. right? Because the, the temptation for every one of us is to put my pet project and move my pet project up to the forefront, mm. you know? And unfortunately, even... Uh, it's not, you know, being a leader, an elder doesn't, doesn't actually remove that temptation. Yeah. You know, the, the funny part is, uh, I mean, I have pet things, you know, pet doctrines that I've, I've liked in the years too. Uh, I really have enjoyed the study of hermeneutics and sometimes even big picture eschatology. And, and that's, you know, there's a place for that. But what I've come to learn as, as a pastor is that, wow, when you look at Acts, these guys really emphasized Christ and the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at Matthew and what Matthew was trying to teach, he was trying to teach us about Christ and how what we learned about Christ should shape the way we think about God, the way we worship, and the way we serve others hmm. so that we're ready for his return while making disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Well, that's Matthew. Wow. And so, right, there's a point where I need to not only learn Matthew, but I need to learn how how Matthew is applicable in a wise way in ministering to other people. Mm. Um, and so that has changed me from saying, hey, you know, I want to necessarily go in-depth over here or do these things or really study hermeneutics to say, you know what, I need to major on the majors. Right. And as a leader, you know, um, I feel like my job is to bang the same drum a lot. Hey, mm. we're we're about learning Christ and mm-hmm. and loving each other, mm. and and so, but if you're you know I, I hate that we that we disparage so much. Well, I'm not a leader. No, we're all to be doing ministry, which means we are all to say, hey, you know what, heart, I need to major on the majors, and though I may be interested in those four things over there, they're actually not majors, right? And I need to come over here and major on the majors with these people, and we need to major on the majors together. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things we can do, yes. and 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 improve in uh, you know improving in our in our in our church, and yes. we know that. Yes, but like not to not ever to the detriment of the main thing. Yes, like I I like to see you know, um, you know. I like to see more things happened in you know with a building, for example, you sure. know, just real practical things that yeah. where we can do things better. But like, you know, if God hasn't opened that door. He hasn't opened that door yet. It's okay. Right. We right. still need to. We still need to preach Christ, right? And know Him more. And the funny things is, like, if you look at the, the end of the chapter, what does Paul pray for? He pray for. He prays for exactly that. Yeah. That understanding of being rooted and grounded in love and its connection to Christ. Yes. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know that's what Paul's praying for, not. Um, 
You know, it's interesting, right? So when I go to Ephesians Bible study, whether I'm teaching or not, Lord, what you have in front of me tonight is the need to learn this from your text and to take what we what is discussed to heart and learn how to how to worship you with what I've learned. Yeah. You know, which which is so when I hear somebody say, Oh, I don't go to the Ephesians Bible study because I've already studied that on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a part of where you need to study it with the community and apply it with the community together. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't mean that we can't disagree on little things as a church, right? I mean, you know, if you want to believe in infralapsarianism and another one's like, oh, I like superlapsarianism. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, if you, you know, if that's hanging you up for ministering together the purpose of the church, mm-hmm. which is to communicate the gospel, uh, the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, and the administration of the fullness of time through Christ, then. Why? Why is that difference hanging you up from doing what what the church is to be walking together? In other words, we're walking together, and now that now you're you wanting to be Robbie Cano, mm-hmm. and you know you, we're actually losing some games because you're not hustling, you know. Mm. Not and again, you know, but sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes we're most of the time. I would say we are our own worst enemies. Yeah, and that's why I think there's there's got to be a Lord. I need to respect this and the process and what you've what you've brought to the table and what you have said we are to do. Mm. Yep. And if if you know, in my own mind, I also want to say, and that is the best thing we can do. Yes. Yeah. And so though, you know, uh, though sex trafficking is deplorable, mm-hmm. uh, I got to be honest. I'm not really in a position to solve that. Mm-hmm. You know. And um, hopefully, as we make disciples in the church, we're all the kind of people that would do the right thing if we were in a position to to, to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't see abandon making disciples to run off and. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you know again not that we condone or, being not even that we're apathetic. Right. It's just that we we respect what God has said. This is your primary focus. Yeah. I mean, our job specifically, yes. is to to lead the church. Yeah. You know. Um, and to equip them for to ministry. equip them for ministry, yes. so that you know they could do a better job making disciples. Yes, and in doing and in, in making the disciples, hopefully, some of those issues, those world problems, will yeah um, can be solved through the yeah. disciple making process. Yeah, hopefully, members of your church, hopefully, all of us in Cornerstone, are not contributing to the societal problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In that way. Hope. I mean, society may, you know, say, well, light is dark. And if you disagree with us, then you're part of the problem. Well, at that point, I'm happily a part of the problem, but because mm. I'm not going to compromise on what true righteousness is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else? Yeah. I think we beat this one. Did we? I don't nah. know. I always feel like I could talk more about it. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I love this subject. Dever has a book on the, the church. It's got nine marks of a healthy church. He's also got one uh, with uh, Alexander. Uh, I think it's like the intentional church, mm. and uh, all of those are really good. And, and I just would would want a final plug here, encourage, and just let you know that we want to teach people what the church is about and what we're for and how to navigate that. And so, um, just my challenge to you, listener, uh, is to learn what a biblical church is called to do. Realize there are some things that churches can differ on. Uh, well, I think we're we're going to talk about church government one day, right? So it, it's okay that some churches have different forms of government. It's okay that not every church organizationally looks the same. 
Mm-hmm. But in terms of purpose, we all have the same purpose. Right. Make known the mysteries of Jesus Christ um, because we're on display to the rulers and principalities of the heavenlies. So, mm. yep. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you soon. <laughs>